freemusic.com. Hello and welcome to the Hacking Podcast. Um, baby got hacked. Did I already do that one? <laughs> this is, I don't know why you're looking at me. I don't know. Uh, the, uh, this is Gareth Lyons, um, animation CEO and uh, business man of art. Um, I'm joined today by Tom Maher. Yeah. Hi. What would you? What would your subtitle be? Uh, international man of mystery. Nice. Uh, yeah. So, um, today we're okay. I don't know what. The, whatever. Well, I'm just going to start off generally. I want to ask about the um, Forgotten Zine Archive. So, would you say you're you're basically the curator of the uh, Forgotten Zine Archive? Uh, yeah, curator might be um, too grand a term. Um, yeah. But maybe that's also appropriate. There's a lot of different hats to wear looking after that kind of thing. You yeah. Up, uh, curating. Can you explain what the Forgotten Zine Archive is, first of all? Oh, yeah. It's in A4 Sounds. Yes. Yeah. So it's a collection of zines. Um, hmm. I think we're running about three, three and a half thousand zines uh, at the moment. Um, it was started uh 2005 i think okay um so before my time with it um, oh so you inherited it yeah oh yeah. that's cool so it's kind of it started out as a basically an amalgamation of four different people's collections personal collections of zines yeah Um, they just pulled them together this is my understanding of the history you know things get lost in translation a bit but uh this is my understanding um they yeah they pulled their personal collections together um and ran it as a sort of library out mm. of a squat that they were living in at the North Wall. Um, so it opened once a week on a Sunday. People could come in and, you know, sit down, read the zines. <coughs> I don't know if they operated a lending uh, service or not, mm. or if you had to keep the zines there. Um, but gradually over the years, as more and more people came to it and possibly as the interests of the people involved in it broadened um, it started showing up at uh, cultural 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 and mm. activist events as a sort of like a place to go and chill out you could hang out with the zines um, when you were finished doing whatever you came here to do uh, or you wanted to take a break or whatever like um, there was some pride events and events around reclaim the streets and mm. um Shomer spree was starting up at that time as well Shomer spree still going or is that under a different name now? um it's yeah it's, it, the premises is now uh there's a lot of the offices upstairs are the same as they were when Shomer was there but it's being run primarily as a for-profit gig space now called and, jigsaw oh and Shomer spree was originally though what what was that that was like that was like a what they call a non-hierarchical, anti-capitalist. Um, there's probably one or two other adjectives, but a social yeah. center, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so when the squat closed down that the Zine Archive was in, um, my understanding is that it then moved to Shomersbury and lived there. Mm. And then gradually the original four people went their separate ways and it kind of just ended up living in Shomersbury under no one in particular's... Um, management or yeah. uh, care or whatever um and would then kind of periodically be added to by people who were just coming through Shomersbury they were visiting Dublin uh, or visiting the country 
uh, for a few weeks. They might bring some zines with them or bring some little leaflets or magazines or whatever and just dump them in the archive. Mm. Um, I think it appears in a documentary from 2012 called The Joyful Slog. Okay. Um, really good documentary about the Irish independent music scene. Um, and one of the best, like, integrations of a title into the actual, like, yeah. dialogue of the documentary. Uh, like, do you know that feeling you get where, like, oh, they said the yeah, yeah. thing? There's one of the best ones of those in this. It's up on YouTube if you type in the I feel like that was the, the movie Catfish, which obviously now is kind of mutated into something right. else entirely. But that was like, you're watching this movie and it's like, have you seen Catfish? Is it like I cat, mean, cat Dog, but with the fish, <laughs> fish and the dog? That was the documentary uh, that, you know, that there was like a reality TV show called Catfish and the name Catfishing. Yeah, oh, right. yeah, 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 yeah. But the name Catfishing came from this documentary and these guys um i can't remember their names now but they essentially tried to the, the main thing that was the drive behind it was the marketing where they made it like once you see it don't tell people what happened in it and they oh, really amped yeah, up okay. like oh it's gonna blow your mind what happens but um now like anybody who's watched the mtv reality show knows that this these people i don't know why but this guy seemed to have this um online correspondence with this woman who turned out to not be who she said she was. And um, yeah, basically um, there's a point where he they go down to visit her. And it, the, the movie, you know, has there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of criticism leveled at it now because it's like, oh, that was very exploitative what you did. But one of the things that happens is they go down and they, they confront this woman and she's got like, um, I, it just, it's, it's quite, it's quite heartbreaking because you know yeah. she portrays herself as this really young vibrant artist model type woman and actually like she lives with her husband in this house with like his um taking care of him and his sons you know but uh basically they talk to his her her uh husband and ask him do you have any problem with with like what's what she's doing mm. and he's just like really cheerful and he says something to the effect of you know he tells this re- this weirdly long anecdote about how whenever they were bringing fish over from um, from I don't know I guess they were bringing let's say they're bringing them over from China or something like that right. they would bring them over inside these boats and th- there wouldn't be any windows on the boats or anything so by but you know the the fish would go lifeless in there and by the time they arrived a lot of them would be dead or they would be, be have chalky kind of skin and the flesh would be falling off of them Yikes. okay and then he said. So what they came to do, and he's got this kind of like southern accent, so it sounds even more, he's like, so what they came to be doing was tossing in this catfish to mix things up a bit, so you didn't know who was who or what was what, and it's like, and I think that's the most important thing in life, the catfish, to keep you guessing, you know, <laughs> and it's like, the whole movie is like terrible, but then like this one bit, yeah. you're like, I end up going back and watching that isolated on <laughs> YouTube, because it's like, what a, a powerful, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that same kind of note of recognition is very, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. no, totally. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I'd recommend that documentary uh, yeah. totally. But yeah, there's like, it just like I was watching it completely separately. Mm. And there was just a scene where it was just some randomer. I don't know who he is. I've never met him. Yeah. Just sitting there with the zine archive, just being like leafing through it in like visibly upstairs in Shomersbury. I was like, oh, that's, that's the zines. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, that was made shortly before I got involved. Uh, yeah. 
what what made like you a, interested in zines then so you were just uh, you just had a passion for them or kind of like the opposite i'd never really? heard of or known anything i never knew anything about zines mm. up until i got involved and um, i got involved through a uh, postgrad uh, capstone project that i was doing um I was in a master's in library and information science in UCD. Okay. And rather than putting together a, uh, like a thesis at the end of, uh, the, whatever it was, 12 months, I guess, um, that we were in there. Um, they ask you to put together a capstone project and then write a report on what you did. The idea being that it's kind of more practical. Uh, the degree itself is more geared towards preparing you for a professional, um, position rather than mm. going into research or whatever and there's a class of about 70 80 people and we divided up into groups and each group had their own little project and as luck would have it i ended up in a group with a wonderful woman called leanne mm. who's from michigan uh, and michigan rich history of punk and indie music and wherever there's punk and indie music especially going back to the 80s and 90s you'll have zines um but then that kind of tradition has continued into the 2000s with people continuing to make zines mm. and so as a result the place that she was coming from university of michigan um had a huge huge collection of zines in its special collections um department in the library there uh, and so she knew zines very well and although we had some kind of boilerplate projects to pick from yeah um, you could also pitch your own one and she was basically pitched the idea of either starting one like that uh, at a much smaller scale obviously mm. um, or integrating into one that already existed and so um i'd never heard of zines she, the way she pitched it was kind of like oh it's kind of like you know indie comics or whatever mm. i was like okay i know what comics are yeah okay i can get on board with this um so what is could you give like a, a very general definition of a zine then as far as you yeah i mean it's like porn you know when you see it <laughs> uh, kind of thing uh but there's loads of different like you know you could say zines generally don't have like isbns mm. they don't generally cost more than a couple of quid they're generally done according to like a diy ethos um yeah you know Although you can get them printed by a professional, the idea is that you should really do the printing yourself or be involved in the creative process from start to finish. Mm, yeah. Um, they're usually printed in very small runs. So sometimes you might just make one and it's completely one off or you might make 10, maybe give them to your friends or like the most, maybe you make 100 or 200 maybe. Um, once it gets beyond that it starts becoming a different thing and in the ecosystem of zines especially in um, you know the US Canada uh, the UK Ireland and other places uh, that I'm less familiar with you have this thing called an artist book um, yeah. or you have basically just like little novelettes or booklets calling themselves zines um, so it kind of muddies the water for people in 2019 yeah like when they see stuff called or that calls itself a zine um and they're kind of like well that doesn't look like the descriptions that i've gotten from other places or that doesn't look like the zines i knew maybe mm. my idea of what a zine is needs to be broadened or something like that yeah um so people come at it from a lot of different 
uh, ways there's kind of a lot of gatekeeping around what is seen and what isn't because it has this kind of cultural cachet I mean, there's a lot of that stuff involved in lo-fi and punk things and yeah you know, <laughs> yeah the definitions are always so like important to people you know yeah and like generally i'm not fan of gatekeeping mm. in any form um i think you know the more the merrier people can you know diversity is strength in a lot of ways mm. um i think with zines and to some extent diy culture in general whether that's music or art or um whatever they they usually come from a place of um deprivation or a, uh, they're kind of like a place of uh, not having access to the normal channels by which you would create something yeah. or publish something or distribute something. Um, and so the kind of co-option of, you know, punk or DIY yeah. or zines or whatever by a mainstream uh, or by uh, a profit motivated individual or corporation or whatever um, I think I'm less a fan of, and uh, yeah. even if it involves a certain amount of gatekeeping, just because of the power dynamic at play, um, that it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, uh, I know what you mean. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like it's more cynical, I suppose, than yeah. the gatekeeping. That, like, like you'd basically break the rule for people that you see who are cynically uh, using it, you know? <laughs> yeah, like it's kind of. Like, it's not really the same thing as, like, oh, Marvel fans being right, like, yeah. oh, women in my movies or whatever the fuck they're yeah, yeah. talking about. Um, yeah, it's kind of like a punching up, punching down kind of yeah, dynamic. Yeah, sure thing. Um, yeah, so, yeah, there's other markers you can look at. A lot of the time they're photocopied. You know, they might have staples. Um, yeah. But they usually wouldn't have a spine. They probably wouldn't have an ISBN. Right. Um, yeah. They're usually. You're getting real specific with this. <laughs> well, listen, you can tell I can spend a lot of time around zines. <laughs> um, well, we had to have, have these conversations when yeah. we started the project. So um, there's a lot of relitigating of the same kinds of things mm. um, going on. But yeah, you'll notice as well the topics that they cover tend to be of a certain kind or a certain variety. Of the I was tone. actually in. Uh, I was like waiting around in A4 the last day. And so I just like took one from the, the library and took a read. But it was like about, it was quite funny because it was like about, I don't know, five or ten pages, somewhere like that. But like, I mean, well, you'd be able to tell me about page number probably. But either way, um, obviously there's like, there's like a really high threshold and like all the pictures. It's like, you know, they're all clearly photocopied. But in this, there was like a story about how they're like, right, well, to, to break the silence on this squat that we had and i was like no i just yeah. this kind of it was a very funny assumption that everybody who was reading it knew who they yeah. were and so they talked about this is a story about how they were in this squat and then they started to not get along with each other and then ultimately they approached the neighbors and the neighbors rang the police and then they decided to disband it and this was all took place in like about a page or two and uh, but it was incredibly yeah, it was just funny. It was just an interesting like uh, experience yeah. to get a slice of this. These people's like, and also they're obviously they seem completely. Um, I mean, maybe this is me being really um, romantic, but they're off the grid, man. They don't have any digital. You know, that would be a whole thread on Twitter, but on here, it's like you know. Yeah, yeah. So like, there's a load of like different reasons that people make zines. Um, you have a kind of a genre within 
the format of zines that you call per zines, yeah. which is kind of short for personal zines, um, where oftentimes it's someone just kind of just talking shit. Yeah. Sometimes they're processing something for themselves personally. Yeah. And that the actual act of making the zine is part of this kind of uh, individual therapy uh, yeah. or this processing. Um, it doesn't really matter who actually reads it. Uh, or they're maybe making it to be read by a very specific group of people mm. that they maybe couldn't say all this to them in person or they couldn't say it in that exact way. Yeah. Um, but then you have like fanzines, which are usually... Uh, kind of more about uh, like the community of you know punk or ska or hardcore or whatever mm. and the zine is the kind of nexus of activity for that community it's funny um, how ska has kind of become like so uh, like so mocked <laughs> do you know what i mean like it is funny when like you could just mention it there and like the same kind of like oh in these communities like these yeah. you know like that but like now I, I remember like watching Brooklyn nine, nine or something. And then like, it's like seen as like, Oh, that ska phase you went through, you yeah. know, and it's meant to be like embarrassing and, and all this type of stuff. But I wonder, is it the trumpets? Does that yeah. like give the music a comical feel? I think also the movies and stuff, the people who yeah. like, cause it, it, as soon as I hear it, I'm reminded of like, you know, those ads on like Disney movies, which would be like, Max hated homework. No, I got to spend the whole summer. Da, 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 yeah, da, 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 da. And it was like, and like the, the hijinks he got yeah, up yeah. to. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, and it's weird that like punk, like Scott, I think, and I, this, I'm not involved in the community, so I'm willing to be corrected on this, but I think it's more of a West Coast thing. Yeah. Like specifically like the Bay Area and like LA. Yeah. And I wonder if that proximity to like hollywood yeah and the kind like the writers and producers and actors and stuff like that yeah. maybe had a disproportionate effect on its that representation i because I, I say yeah. that i was watching like rte one time or like back when i like um had fucking terrestrial when terrestrial tv was a thing and you'd watch it and and um like he, he, it's really funny the sports promos are like edited by like they always have like elbow or blur or like yeah, you know yeah. oasis and like yeah, you just yeah. like or the stereophonics <laughs> and you just see these like you're like god damn i can just picture the person editing this yeah, fucking thing you know totally, totally. um what i want to get yeah. back and i don't think rt still have these is the basically the amvs they used to make to promo daytime or like kids television yeah um mm. where like they would basically make a music video out of clips of all mm. the different cartoons they had in a roster coming up for a given season. Yeah. And they maybe had a couple of them going and sometimes they were just focused on one show and yeah. sometimes it was a combination of shows. Um, but I remember one really specific one they made for Cyborg 009 that had Tears for Fears, Everybody Wants to Rule the World on nice. it. Nice. And I'm like... I used to get so fucking excited when this came, this ad came on. Yeah. I was like, fuck yes. Yeah. Like this banger of a song, this amazing cartoon. Yeah. Like perfect. And like there was, they did like one for Sabrina, the teenage witch. So it was like every little thing she does is magic. Oh yeah. I remember that one. And yeah, like they're yeah. all edited in such a way that like, I don't know, whoever made them must have like, like it's not, like it they were listening re- to the song and hit the beats with lines from exactly, the show. Yeah. yeah, but it also was completely like excessive. Like it didn't yeah. really promote the show. Yeah, 
I guess it did because it kind of stuck in the mind of the people watching it. But like, I hate that that thing. Well, we were talking about it, so it must. And I was like, yeah. no, it's a, there's a difference. You know? Yeah, yeah. You like, wonder how they manage how they managed to convince anybody to put like a full two minute thing. Oh, I think wasn't there one with you know abracadabra like yeah, abra? Yeah, isn't that yeah, a Steve yeah. Miller band or something? Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, yeah, that one. There um, was there was one you you just sparked something I remembered and. Um, no, it's gone now. But there was another one that I remember seeing on... This is on YouTube, though, so it's completely different. But somebody edited uh, They Might Be Giants, um, like a weird song. What was it? It was Pet Name. Mm. I don't know if you've ever heard that one. But like they made this album back in, like I think it made it in 97 or something. And it had like... It was probably their most weird, diverse album, you know, yeah. with the full band. But they did this weird like Memphis groove track, you know. And... Uh, these people edited it to Night of the Creeps. You know that movie? Oh, it was kind of like a mashup yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, I was like, it was such a strange choice of movie, which is like a 1988 movie about um, some prom being, you know, all these parasites coming down and inf- yeah. infecting this prom and turning all the jocks into zombies. Yeah. And they managed to edit it perfectly with this this thing about, uh, probably what they might be giants about, like a failed relationship or right, something like yeah, that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, it's, it's amazing when somebody here's two things and kind of yeah. like how did you make that connection you know totally yeah and like this is pre-youtube yeah Obviously, totally like, exactly the golden yeah. age of youtube is naruto and yeah, like yeah. limp biscuit or whatever yeah. you know uh but man orti released the tapes yeah, yeah like i'm sure you've taped over them at this point but yeah. like they do that the, i messaged them a million times about the blizzard of Oz as well or blizzard of odd oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah because yeah. i i think that was another precursor to youtube where mm. it was like a bunch of weird irish artifacts that were shown on tv basically mm. like they had one and also it was like illicit stuff which was quite is now it's impossible to imagine or having a show like this because they they reviewed an Irish porn parody of uh, Lord of the Rings. Fuck. Yeah. And it was set... And, okay, so... Uh, <laughs> I didn't even realise that existed. Yeah, I know. It's very graphic. Yeah, well, yeah. well, not too graphic, what I'm going to say, but it is graphic and kind of like, you're like, oh, this is weird. All right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. But the it was really badly filmed on like a VHS camera. Mm. And, um, it, it, and it wasn't very well made, but the only scene of nudity in it apparently was uh, a woman um, servicing herself with a hot water bottle, okay? so An, an ancient elven hot yeah, water exactly. bottle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, she was, like, they had all the ancient elf stuff, like, really badly, and then they would go inside the ha- house, <laughs> and she would just be in this house and just have it with a hot water bottle. And then like it's, it's like... It's semi-D and Blanchard yeah. sounds. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, it's strange. And then what was another thing? They, they used to review... Um, the the young Irish filmmakers made a short called uh, The Boys, which I don't okay. know if you can access online. But uh, the the short, the young Irish filmmakers, for anybody who doesn't know as well, are a an organization down in Kilkenny who were basically like a, a film camp for uh, teenagers and young adults. Let's say you know, so they made shorts, and this one I remember very particularly because i went down to it for like a week-long course and uh but this this these the young irish filmmakers would also make feature films right but also they were the original base for cartoon saloon so cartoon saloon used to operate within the premises of young irish filmmakers until they became the you know the studio we now know and love um so yeah. 
the but in this one it's kind of relevant to what we're talking about because it was about uh god um telling this guy to uh leave school and start a punk band and right. so he goes off to start this punk band and like he has obviously obviously no musical experience whatsoever yeah and uh, he um Anyway, it's it's we have to I'd have to find it. I really hope they it's online somewhere and they release it. But they reviewed it on uh, the Blizzard of Odd and they compared and contrasted it with uh, the actors. You know that mm. movie with that Dylan Moore and Michael Caine were in back in the day. Oh, about how the boys was better than the actors. You know. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, is that the one where like he kills a guy? accidentally like his landlord no or that's a, a film with me in it which oh, is, is well okay. worth it that's well worth the oh, go yeah, david yeah. o'doherty in that and mark doherty oh, man, wrote it with ian fitzgibbon i think yeah so, um, so, so i thought i saw him <clears throat> vicar street there uh about a year ago he's so funny. david o'doherty like, like is the most consistently funny man in ireland yeah. you know like if he didn't get in that car crash like think of where his career would be now he was in a car crash yeah he was like off the scene for years because really he, he was yeah he was in a really bad accident and had to just like completely that. quit comedy for a while uh, what? and he's back now obviously yeah, he's yeah. fine but like uh i remember hearing an interview with him about it leading up to the show and mm. He was talking about it, yeah, and I'd say he's just like absolutely good at like seeing where you know the likes of um, Daryl Breen or right, yeah. Warren or Ed Byrne or whoever. Seeing, I think he's carved out a nice little niche for himself as well because, yeah. again, like I, um, he's I mentioned, way better than well, he's way better than them, <laughs> but also like he, he's his, um, his the people he was in groups with were lot more interesting because like yeah. also like um i recommended this already but there's a three-hour podcast with him and pete holmes and um and pete holmes like they're just talking back and forth and he goes yeah he's like yeah me and dimitri were like trying to get pants for Kristen, trying to get a suit for Kristen's wedding all right yeah. and he's talking about dimitri martin and Kristen shout and i was suddenly like that is such a better yeah, yeah. host of contemporaries than like Daryl Breen going like, oh, hanging out with Ed Byrne and, you know, Joe Rooney. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was able to convince RT to give him a bunch of money to make... Uh, the Modest Adventures. Is that the one? Was no? that, yeah, the one where he cycled to Galway. That's so good. The Modest Adventures of David O'Doherty. Yeah. And you're just like, yeah. come on. like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, this is complete... There was a, the, yeah. one other thing that he mentioned on the podcast as well was um, how he basically finds kind of stand-up comedy quite embarrassing hmm. so like the idea of walking out with smoke and franz ferdinand blaring while you're on the stage at the apollo yeah. he's like this is so embarrassing because we're like and 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 that feeds into the stuff that he does as well because he's like he records like tapes and puts them on line do you know what i mean hmm. he used to have a lot of the cds that he would sell around as well but apparently now he just gives them away for free because like yeah. there nobody buys them but i bought um the Bandcamp ones for my sister and then I had I had another one by Patton Oswalt called Werewolves and Lollipops, which is one of the best comedy albums ever. Oh, yeah. And uh, so basically, I'd be listening to music, and then every so often, one of these jokes would come up. I'm like, oh, I'll play it out. So committed to memory, I have like a David yeah, O'Doherty yeah. album and a Patton Oswalt album, and uh, yeah, no, they're 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 both incredible. Yeah, so anyway, yeah, yeah, sorry, this is all. Um, it's all um, important stuff. All very important stuff. But I, I guess I want to say, what's your um, so? Where you're born in Dublin, yeah? That's me. Yep. And you were raised in Dublin as well. That's it, and yeah. and then what kind of got you into this sort of scene stuff? Do you know, was it was it the zine, uh, or was it before that? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> like, 
I guess I'd always had an affinity for, uh, I don't know what you would call it, radical politics, I guess, or mm. kind of left-leaning politics um, back to my school days, I suppose. The school I went to was kind of like a like a left-wing arm of the Sinn Féin kind of okay. like recruitment camp type of thing, just yeah. in terms of like the kinds of teachers that were there and kind of stuff we talked about and like instead of religion class we just had like our irish teacher would come in and tell us all about hugo chavez and, wow like, how he was like a big legend was very different uh, from my upbringing <laughs> yeah and like then you had another guy in a completely different class who get you to write out pages from the bible you know yeah. if you didn't do your homework or whatever so it was like there was a lot of stuff going on in that school but um yeah i think that and like a few friends that i had who like were involved in um you know, the Ireland-Palestine solidarity campaign or who would just generally be proselytizing on behalf of, you know, whatever leftist thinker they were reading that week um, and yeah. whenever you met them for a drink. Um, yeah, it all kind of rubbed off of me and, like, I was studying philosophy in college before I went down the library route. Mm. Um, that kind of opened up some, um, you know, some avenues. We had, like, one class that was called anarchy law and the state oh wait um, really? yeah now it was really in hindsight very weird because it was run by uh, a guy called jared casey um who is like a pretty hardcore opus day like bad libertarian right um yeah. but it nonetheless like was able to kind of open up avenues of thought about like you know the purpose of um you know, the kind of discipline apparatuses that the state employs to kind of moderate behavior and the kind of various inequities and injustices that we see as permissible or not yeah. uh, in society or that we might see as necessary in society or unnecessary. Um, and that was all against the backdrop, backdrop yeah. of all the other classes I was and doing. where were you studying were, this? Yeah, that was an ECD. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this is like, ter- that was like your, um, what's the word? The, 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 that was like your BA. That was the freebie that the, okay, the government right. gave. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the freebie. Yeah. Yeah, then I went back to the library job. It was full whack, baby. Yeah, um, yeah. Down to the credit union and asked them nicely for a loan. Nice. Um, Do you think it's worth getting a loan from the credit union? Or like, Well, if you've got to get it from somewhere. Um, yeah. Depending on, obviously, like the credit union have different. Uh, they've got terms i suppose attached to them yeah. that uh like you know they'll only lend you a certain amount and it's like a multi uh like a you know i don't know if it's twice or three times what you have in your credit union account or something like that okay um, but the rates are pretty good for repayments um, and as like far as i remember contemplating getting the loan out to set up some sort of studio or something yeah at this point and then i mentioned that to somebody and they were like don't get a loan you know, don't do anything that where you're at in hock to somebody. But so many people I know have done that. And mm. it's been very, it's actually been the opposite. It's been quite liberating because they finally have allowed the kind of freedom to explore this stuff without really yeah. worrying about, you know. Well, like you are gambling on some yeah. level um, because you, you you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but it's also in the credit union's interest to give you someone who they know will pay it back yeah. the money. So they'll have a certain amount of checks and balances mm. uh, that you'll have to go through as well. No, that's me written um, off. So, <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah. like, I don't know what those are, but yeah, like yeah. the, you know, they can tie into enterprise funds and there's a lot of different ways of getting startup cash for, yeah. you know, a studio or some other project. Um, and often the strings that are attached to them are 
quite loose once you get your foot in the door. Mm. Um, sometimes they don't involve repayment at all. Mm. Uh, but it's talk more about that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like it's usually they just get given a pile of money at the start of the financial year, yeah. and then it's up to them to decide. Like they have to give it to people, and yeah. it's up to them to decide who to give it to. Okay, and so like. Um, like the Dublin Dublin City Council. I know I've never applied for this, so I've, this is only second hand or third hand through people I work with. Mm. Um, but they will, you know, get given a giant pile of money basically, and they'll get sent a bunch of applications from arts projects uh, mm. in the city um, that need an injection. And depending on the strength of the application, they might award it. They might award. Uh, percentage of it yeah uh, but not the full amount or they might not reward any of it yeah um but politically the way the decision is made is can, can be quite complex mm. so like they obviously have a rubric stuff they're looking to fund sometimes it's thematic where they're kind of say oh this year we're going to focus on this kind of project yeah um but other times it'll be like well we've denied them funding for the last two years but they keep coming back to us and we can see that they're learning from each funding application. Yeah, yeah. And so this time we'll give them like half of what they're asking for yeah. or something like that and then see what they do with that. And then maybe if they apply again next year, we'll give them a bit more. It is funny because all these things feel so intimidating, but then you realize like it is, a, it's not like you throw an application out there, it fails and then nothing happens. It's mm. like there are people on the other end who are like monitoring this stuff and then yeah. eventually can make a decision off of collected information um but yeah so you i just wanted to get uh uh to yeah so you you were in your postgrad and you, you eventually went on did the postgrad in which what, what did yeah, you yeah that was also in uct yeah um, and that was and that was library and information science i think they call okay. it okay and how long after your ba was that was that like immediate that or? was so i graduated 2000 so i went in 2008 yeah graduated 2011 i think mm. um and as i was graduating i was also working part-time in a private library okay so literally a library in someone's gaff yeah um obviously quite a wealthy person uh <laughs> who else has a a private library a private that library. they need a librarian for yeah, yeah. Out in black rock it was an absolutely unreal library i cannot describe really it was like two elderly Irish language academics mm. um, who like their late 70s early 80s they were yeah. still working but in, it was in like a very much like an adjunct or consultation yeah. kind of they would sit on committees and things like that um, kind of kind of thing and basically just over their whole life they had been so involved in so many different things that they had picked up a huge amount of expertise and mm a huge amount of huge number of interests yeah uh, and obviously had the income to then like capitalize on that by you know accru accruing books on various subjects and kind yeah. of fulfilling fancies about going to shakespeare and company in paris and buying like first edition jules verne yeah uh, first edition jules verne stuff like that yeah and like Fucking hell. one of the like it, it was kind of it's kind of like a like not really a problem for one of them but like yeah. a kind of like a wink and a nudge kind of like all right you know fucking cool it cool your jets like he'd go off to like yeah, yeah um oh what's what was the one he used to always go to uh, i think it was adams 
Um, mm. They're like an auctioneer's that specializes in like art and uh, rare books and things like that. Mm. And Connolly books. And there was a one, is it Dawkey? There was one in Dunleary that closed down recently. I can't remember what it was called. But anyway, he would like, you like I would be working there in the library and you'd see him sneak down the stairs with a bag and he'd be like, shh, don't tell the wife kind oh, of thing. Geez. Like, yeah. And like, then he'd give it to you to like classify and like the receipt would still be in it and you'd be like, fuck you spent how much on this book? yeah like, um and the reason it was a problem was not because of the amount of spending but just that sometimes you would buy the same thing like something you already had mm. and you just didn't realize um, really yeah and like you're just like you're fucking, like yeah i guess this is why they brought someone in to like help or put some shape on it yeah um because prior to that it just they just been like living in piles basically and right, like, yeah. sheds and things like that um did but it was a really it was a really great job um do they have shelves and stuff installed and you had to like yeah okay they had like a garden level basement that they yeah. added on as like uh an extension a really yeah. nice like underfloor heating and like yeah. lovely uh lovely stop. custom built shelves. can't bear this anymore they had like <laughs> they had like the the ladder that we like wheels across yeah the, the really high shelves i keep thinking about oh wow just like bell beauty and the beast yeah um i tried doing that on, like, i tried doing that on the ladder and it just did not work i was too heavy there um, <laughs> i kind of like i have this thing like if we could somehow have some hive mind across the globe and it would be like all right we're not going to make any we're, we're one studio is just going to take a hit for a year and not make any blockbusters <laughs> and we just take that money and you know evenly distributed it doesn't matter who you are you yeah know? yeah somehow managed to do that that I, I was like everybody's problem would be solved you know what i mean, I mean like, there are like i mean listen yeah there are so many problems that would be solved by just all just joined up systematic thinking yeah about how to distribute resources yeah um, speaking of distributing yeah. resources <laughs> uh just but yeah to, anyway so that yeah. was that was my first yeah. library job and that was like shortly after yeah. leaving college and i kind of always had it in the back of my mind that i wanted to go into libraries but yeah. then i knew i wouldn't get a job working with this philosophy degree and so it's kind of like <laughs> shit okay well you know i'll see what my options are and uh, the course was running in ucd and i was like okay still living at home with my parents mm. um you know give it a go and from there it kind of just took on a life of its own of you know when you kind of you have an idea in the back of your head for something you want to do and then you're actually put in a room with like 80 other people who also are interested in that thing yeah and you're there with them every day and you're kind of like okay like you can bounce off each other bounce mm. ideas off each other become self-reinforcing and eventually you're mm. like confident about this thing that's not just a weird flight of fancy yeah like exactly. it's actually something achievable uh, and you have a clear idea that you know hopefully will get clearer as the years go on for you mm. but about exactly how to act and like that you know how to um you know how to think about the space the, like the space of libraries in my case um what's possible what isn't possible you know the kind of the messy world of like trying things and failing mm. or um you know the success stories and kind of just piecing together the jigsaw i suppose of what the landscape looks like within a particular sector or industry or whatever sure um and yeah it kind of took off from there and that's when i got involved with the zines um, cool and then um yeah and have you kind of been in because now you're you're are you working more in like kind of art kind of based 
things would you say or is yeah it? well like the way they divide it up in the library world is that you've got public libraries mm. um, which do a specific kind of thing and um, you have health libraries that do another different specific set of things within the hospital environment mm. or a hospice or a research um, institution or whatever you have law libraries that again serve a particular kind of user group um, you have kind of what they call special libraries that are yeah. usually you know they might be attached to a charity they might be attached to a society or um you know some other kind of weird specialist institution mm. um and then you've got academic libraries and those can be like school libraries secondary mm. school or primary school but most of the time they're third level yeah um and regardless of the specialization of the particular college you're in the way that you structure the library will be quite similar from institution to institution mm. like there are some fundamental differences between a library that has to cater to like the arts and humanities and all the stem subjects and a bunch of other you know business maybe in law subjects or whatever um there'll be a big difference between such a massive general library like that and like an art and design library or an architecture library or whatever even if they're all in third level institutions yeah and so there is some bleed in like uh but the work that i do i come at it from the work first from the library side of things first rather than the art and design okay yeah and it's kind of just like a happy accident that i happen to also work with the zines and be in a4 and okay cool um that kind of thing yeah but and so it, it's kind of like as you're in those spaces you pick stuff up and you learn to get interested in certain yeah, kinds sure. of things and whatever. to apply those skills to something else as well do you know what i mean yeah and like, like ultimately yeah. you're serving the students and so you bounce yeah. off them as well you see what they're working with what their questions are and you're trying to help them as best you can as well and so it's a real again this word messy yeah process that as long as you approach it with so the, right attitude, you're the first time i met you was actually when um I, yeah, so we did first year at Hackfest and then uh, they, we did a middle one, a middle festival in between, which I kind of dubbed Hackfest 1.5, okay, which was like the same movies from the original one mm -hmm. with a few additions. And uh, we did it in the Dublin co-op as part of, uh, what day was that then? Like was that, that Independence Day? Yeah, that could have been it. Yeah. And then eventually we made like a... The Hacko, which is available online if anybody wants it. I still have issues. I really want to get... I really... Uh, yeah, physical... People do not invest in physical media anymore unless yeah, yeah. you... I should probably go to these these more of these events and get rid of the last few issues. But either way... I think um, we've got one in the Zine Archive. But nice. if we don't have the ones that you have, yeah. then maybe we work something out off air. Mm. Anyway, go on. So the Hacko, yeah, it was an exhibition zine, I called it anyway. It was kind of inspired by something I saw in Hendron's Collider when they did an exhibition of Simpsons-inspired art. Mm. And I was like, oh, that'd be amazing to do. Because I didn't realize that you could do stuff based off of like popular culture things. Mm. I mean, now it's impossible not to imagine it because the Simpsons memes yeah, yeah. are like just so ubiquitous with Ireland in some yeah, ways. Yeah. <laughs> but like, um, but anyway, I... Um, yeah, sorry, I made the zine and then I also, yeah, I, I think I got in touch with you because you were doing like um, some, it was another thing in the chocolate factory. Yeah, there was the Dublin Zine Fair. Dublin Zine Fair, yeah. yeah that was 
uh, I, I was involved in that for two years that it ran. Yeah. Um, and we kind of helped out with Independence Day as well. Yeah, cool. Two years that that ran. Um, and it was kind of part of this process of like figuring out what to do with the Zine Archive. Yeah. Because at the time we came to it, there was more or less no structure on it. Mm. No one was around to kind of claim ownership or responsibility for it. Um, yeah. And the space that it was in, Shomer Spree, um, we went to them originally just looking for a place to house a prospective collection that we were going to bring in. Mm. But then they were like, actually, we've already got one here. Do you want to just do something with that? Okay. Um, and so we kind of, we hooked up with with them, obviously. Um, there was uh, someone called Lou Walker. I know who, her, yeah. Yeah, um, who was running Eddie Pie Hands, which is a kind of like a print collective hmm. um, out of that space, I think, at the time as well. And um, they were like, well... Lou's about the closest person you'll find as someone who like knows and anything about these zines at all. Mm. So like chat to them, um, and yeah. So we kind of hooked up with Lou, and then through that we got in contact with Sarah Bracken, Andrea Byrne. They had done the Dublin Zine Fair before, um, and we're planning on doing it again. Um, and who else? Yeah, there was. Uh, yeah, there's a few other individuals involved in that scene i suppose at the time mm. that we were kind of like tentatively knocking around and being kind of like okay the zine thing like how should we organize it how should we promote it yeah you know what do people want from zines like because again i and a lot of the other people involved were quite new to the scene yeah um and as with all things diy or volunteer I think you're kind of just like happy to have anyone interested in helping out. Yeah, sure. Um, like just another set of hands kind of thing. Um, and yeah, so it kind of took off from there. Yeah, and yeah. the reception, like it was like the zine scene is just so like warm and yeah. like inviting and supportive, um, like almost by definition of what yeah, zines yeah. are, that I was like, this is amazing. Like I'm... Mm but you know it doesn't matter that the project is over i'm just going to keep up with this nice yeah um and like it's never made me any money yeah, at all. yeah. like in fact it's cost me a lot of money like yeah. but uh it's this kind of labor of love thing that you're just kind of like yeah well it's a great endeavor and fair play for keeping it up as well because it's it, it is an invaluable resource so anybody um a4 sounds in uh dorset street hmm. head in there on a is it one sunday a week that you still or would you uh literally any time that you want to come in yeah you can like just message the facebook okay, page cool. twitter i'll try and figure out if i'm around to come in or if someone else is yeah um evenings are better yeah weekends are better uh there's no opening times whistle while you work which oh. is uh what are you listening to at the moment while you work uh and uh, maybe you don't in your job but you uh, know. well actually turn i do actually listen to stuff quite a lot <laughs> uh so i have well i've got like a podcast app called pocket cast that i yeah. just load up with any old show to come across and then i kind of usually go through their back catalog and mm. um, and I've got some regulars as well, but rather than going, to, I'll just go through my latest hmm. that I found. Um, was a podcast by Liv Ryerson. 
Liz okay. Ryerson um, called yeah. Beyond the Filter. Sounds familiar, Liz um, Ryerson. Yeah, so she... She's involved in games. She's involved in art, mm. uh, media criticism. Um, based in the states, yeah. Produced this podcast. I think it's done now. The last episode was March thirty first, two thousand eighteen. Mm. Um, but it's basically it's called Beyond the Filters. Interviews about new media, digital art, and culture. Mm. Uh, and it's really interesting. Really broad range of guests that she has on. Sure. Um, like talking about. Like episode two is talking about the flexibility of flash and web oh, wow. art and kind of the web of the past. No way. I'd yeah. love to hear that. That yeah. sounds amazing. And like this person who she has on, Natalie Lawhead, mm. has a real bee in her bonnet about like how disparaging people are of flash. Oh, that's and, how, like, and thank you. Yeah. Yeah. How homogenized a lot of web dev has become yeah. and all the rest. And so. Yeah, and there's other stuff about like making art and love and troubled times and accessing yeah. the divine and so you know, so it's like whatever bugbear yeah. the interviewee has kind of taps into that's it with amazing. Really interesting conversations. And do you have any music that you're listening to that you uh, recommend? I guess even just a song or yeah. Kind of um, so hang on, maybe pulling a, it out again. Pulling it out. Yeah. Uh, but his phone. <laughs> sorry. Phone, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I'm just looking. I've got a playlist called b b b bangers I hope it's shared, you know. Yeah, well, it's on my public Spotify. And the latest thing I added to that is Lady Gaga's Judas. Ooh. Judas. Judas. And that's a real gym banger for me. So that's great. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. I feel bad for yeah. saying Lady Gaga okay. for my own just because like everyone's heard of Lady Gaga. Okay, go on. Yeah. So yeah. there's a cover of a Phil Oaks song called yeah. When I'm Gone that's done by a three-piece uh, band, Irish band called Shiftwork. Ooh. Um, they recorded a cover of it for the uh, repeal referendum yeah last year that is criminally underviewed on YouTube okay. uh, and it's a really, really great cover. Um, and I just wanted to shout out, uh, shout out them and shout out that song that cover. Great, that's it's, fantastic. It's really, it's really, really good. I check check it out. Um, I don't listen to Judas. <laughs> check that instead. Um, okay, cool. Um, well, that's great. And uh, where can people find you online? Just on the street. On uh, the street. <laughs> I know. Uh, if there anything you want to my, plug, basically. Yeah. Well, I guess my Twitter. Uh, pretty uninhibited retweeting um of all sorts of different stuff there yeah um tomaso macher is the handle uh t-o-m-a-s-o-m-e-a-c-h you made that A-I-R. easy anyway yeah um <laughs> it's a great username for all occasions because yeah. it's never taken yeah um yeah. yeah or if you want to pop into the ncad library say hi cool uh, be working in there as and well the forgotten zine archive and the forgotten zine the archive yeah, yeah. in a4 sounds um, um you can see tom probably there on sundays, uh, sundays? yeah so i mean I, I go in every sunday at the moment oh yeah sorry to, you said right yeah to catalog yeah um stuff there but if you want to show up there to browse while we're cataloging that's perfectly fine but okay. if sunday doesn't suit we can also arrange something else Okay. Um, we have been known in the past to scan specific items and email them out to people as hmm, well. Interesting. If you are, if you can't make it in uh, for whatever reason, 
or you can make it in but you just would like digital copies yeah. of the zines um, too lazy you know yeah like I mean we've had people coming in looking for stuff that they want to reprint somewhere else yeah. or they want to distribute to other people and um, we have a good scanner in there so it's no trouble at all alright well that's cool you can find us at um, info at wearehackinc.com um, and uh, our twitter is at wearehackinc and we're also that on Instagram although that one doesn't get as many we don't really do as much on that we should do more we'll endeavour to do more and also get us on our Patreon talking about non-traditional platforms if there's a way I can get Irish people to embrace Patreon I'll be incredibly happy that would be amazing like even just not even for me just for somebody else I'd be like this is great yeah um anyway thanks very much for listening uh to play us out i think i'm going to do this to uh, which i've started to do now is to play out with a song from the recommendation so we'll do uh when i'm gone by shiftworks all right right, so thanks very much goodbye
while 